So I got to thinking about what we're going to talk about today and everything else. And, and yesterday, Pastor Ted sends me this video. And I'm watching it and I watched it again. Then I watched it again. And it fits so perfect with what God had laid on my heart to share with you guys today. And um, just to back up a little bit, the trip to Uganda was twofold. Corbin University, Dr. Greg Troll, traveled with me there with the hopes of investigating and building relationships to begin uh, a three-year program training pastors, young pastors. Now, that's all fine and dandy if that's what we want, and we want to go to Uganda and do this, but we needed to find out if they wanted that. And so after we landed, the very next morning, we met with Pastor Wilson, who is the leader of the, of the 10,000 member church that's there. And we went to his office and we said, Wilson, um, this is what God has laid on our hearts. What do you think? And then he, he went on to say, let me share with you where I've been in the last year. And he begins to cry. He said, I have been in every newspaper and have been ridiculed by Christian men that I respect because Light the World Church is doing things just a little bit different. I've been scorned because I bring in celebrities on, a, on, on an evening where all the popular radio stars come to the church and they perform their their music, and that's somehow ungodly. You could see the hurt. He said, we've tried to do pastors' leadership training, but they won't come. The older pastors will not come. They don't like us. And I'm thinking, well, <laughs> this is probably dead before we even get started. But he says, but in August, he said, I went on a one-week sabbatical. He said, I went up to the top of a mountain and I just sought the Lord. And the Lord said very, very clearly, don't worry about the old pastors. Train the young ones. And he felt it so directly that he went home and immediately began to plan a young pastor's convention, a one-day conference so with no budget and no advertisement a month before we got there they had 700 young pastors at this conference and he said I don't know how to train them I want to train them but he's never been to college He's never been to theology school. He's never had any training whatsoever. And as a result, he says, some of the stuff that I look at that I've taught years ago, I just bury my head in shame because it was so unbiblical. But he said, God continues to bless us through our ignorance anyway. But he said, let me listen to what you guys have to offer. And so Dr. Greg Troll laid out the specifics of, of the program and around the table were, were four gentlemen, and three of them began to cry. And Wilson says, 
I want a seat in your first class. And that was very humbling to know that this need is so great there that we take for granted here. And, he, and so the next step was to meet with local young pastors. Some of the guys that were at this young pastors conference, because Corbin can't do something for 700 pastors. We can do something for 50. And so we wanted to have a lunch with five or six of these young pastors. And Wilfred quickly made some phone calls and, and lined up some, a, a meeting for a lunch with, with five pastors. And we all gathered around the table together with one thing in common, and that's we want to serve God. And Greg, Dr. Greg Troll said, guys, before we get started, I'd like to hear your stories. <laughs> Which, in Uganda, that is like, okay, so we're going to be here all afternoon. All right. <laughs> Um, and the first, the first pastor says, goes on to, to tell a story that, you know, he was, he was an orphan and, and grew up in an orphanage and so on and so forth. And every single one of these guys had these incredible stories. And I'm sitting there listening and I'm going, I don't have a story like that. Then Pastor Jimmy starts and he was the last one. And what he said just hit me between the eyes. And he started out with, I survived an abortion attempt by my mom. And he said, my dad was a general in the Kenyan army. My mom was a servant girl. I was in the way before I was born. And as a result, they gave his mother a huge amount of drugs hoping to kick this baby out so that he wouldn't live. He survived. He was born cripple. In his words, I was a cripple. His feet were somehow turned upside down. He would never walk. And his mother, who is a servant girl, now has a crippled son and there's no way she can feed him so she brings him to an orphanage, a state-run orphanage. And he remembers being in his crib until the age four. And until he was four, nobody touched him. Nobody hugged him. They came and they fed him. They would change what diaper, they would change his sheets or whatever it was. He was living in filth. And he finally learned how to crawl out of the crib so he could at least get to a clean spot on the floor. He said, nobody came to visit me because I was a cripple. I was a throwaway kid. And he said, I was about eight years old and a lady came to visit. And we would sit and talk and she would, she would laugh with me and she was the only visitor that I ever got. And then she was gone. The next year she came again. And they would laugh and they would, they would, she would pick him up and, and take him to the stream and she was virtually the only person who really touched him. 
So after the second visit, he said, I began to dream that this lady was my mother and that I wanted her to be my mom. And I wanted her to take me out of this, essentially a prison. And the next time the lady came, he shared this with her. He said, can you get me out of here? I'm just a cripple in here. Nobody takes care of me. Let me go on the streets and at least beg for some food. I can't even do that in here. And the lady just began to cry. And he said, and I remember we were sitting at a table. And she was crying. He said, she never said goodbye. She just got up and ran to the gate. The next year, she shows up again. This time, he's prepared. He's found her bag, and he sat on top of her bag because he figured in his mind, if she's leaving, she's taking the bag, and if she's taking the bag, she's taking me. And he begins to beg her again, please take me home. And that's when the mom, through sobbing and tears, said, Jimmy, I'm your mother. And she took him home, not knowing how she was going to feed him, not knowing where the funds for food, just simple food, would come from. And so he would crawl out of the house, shack, whatever it was, and he would crawl to the corner of the street and he would beg. And he would come home with Sometimes a thousand shillings, sometimes two thousand shillings, which is less than fifty cents for a day begging. And he started to dream about he saw a man with crutches and he thought, man, if I could just get crutches, then I could get up and down stairs easier and and I could I could get mobile. And he'd been reading scripture. His mom taught him to read as soon as she got home. She said, you may not be able to walk, but you're going to read. And so she began to teach him out of one of the little tiny Gideon's pocket Bibles. So he had the Psalms and Proverbs and the New Testament. He said, and I love the Psalms. I read them all the time. He convinced his mom to finally take him to a hospital. So a doctor could look at his feet and at least prescribe him a set of crutches or a wheelchair or something to help him get mobile. Now, he's about 12 or 13 years old at this point. And they finally save enough money for the taxi to get to the hospital. And they get up to this room, and he said, I just burst into tears because there were 100 other people in this room and they were all crippled. And they were all looking for crutches. And they were all looking for wheelchairs. They were all looking for help. And this happens day after day after day at this hospital. And he's, in his mind, he's saying, there is no way that I'm ever going to come out of here with crutches. And he begins to quote a, a psalm that he had memorized in his, in his mind. And after sitting there for six hours, he said he sat for six hours. And an American doctor come walking in the door and walked past him and turned around and came back and said, young man, let me see your feet. 
and he lifted up his foot and he played with it a little bit and wiggled it a little bit. And he said, I can fix this. We'll do surgery tomorrow. So he never went home. They went and lived on the streets that night. They slept in the gutter. But the next morning he was at the hospital. The American doctor fixed his feet and he walks perfectly normal today. This American doctor, he goes on to say, was bringing prosthetic legs and stuff from America, and, um, which is a big commodity in Uganda. Three weeks after he fixed his feet, the doctor was shot dead for a prosthetic leg. And so he's sitting here telling us the story, and it's like, you've got to be kidding me. I said, do you stay in touch with your mom? Oh, yeah, we're close. I take care of her now. Have you found your dad? Yeah, I did. He's penniless. He's a drunk. How did you get into ministry? And he said, Louis, it's, it's a miracle that I'm here today. It's a miracle I survived an abortion. It's a miracle that I'm not crippled and begging, begging on the street. He said, it's a miracle that my mom came and found me. The least I can do is serve Christ. And he's pastoring and working full time. He's pastoring a church of about 200 people. In Uganda, if you want to be a pastor, you just say, I'll be a pastor. Find a shack and start a church. That's all you got to do. There's no credentials, there's nothing. You just, I'm a pastor, and you can call yourself a pastor, and so as a result, there's lots of pastors. But this guy absolutely loved the Lord. He had no, he was not angry for anything that he had gone through just 10 or 12 years earlier. And so we asked him for his favorite, his life verse. And he said, it's Psalm 100. And I wrote it in my, on my um, little piece of paper I had. He didn't quote it. He didn't, we didn't read it together. We didn't have time. It wasn't until yesterday that I read Psalm 100. This is from the NIV. Psalm 100, if you've got it, you can turn to it. I don't know if they've got it on the screen or not. It says this. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness and come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love is endures forever his faithfulness continues through all generations i'm thinking this is thanksgiving this is a verse for thanksgiving it was written with thanksgiving in mind thousands of years before thanksgiving happened in america and jimmy is patiently waiting 
to find out what Corbin's going to do and how much money we're going to need to raise to start this three-year process of becoming a certified pastor. Because in his mind, he's not quite certified yet. Shortly after uh, we got back from this interview, um, a young lady showed up at the medical center. And Kevin reminded me this morning that it's been two years since we were there building the cabinets in this medical center. And uh, it's humbling to see what's going on there. The doctors in Uganda are on strike, if you can believe it. They're paid by the government, and they're on strike. As a result, there are hundreds of people every day dying in hospitals. If you don't, if you don't have a doctor to prescribe medication, everything comes to, to a screeching halt. And so for two and a half weeks, these doctors are still on strike, and people are still dying. There was a lady that was in labor at a state hospital. She was in labor for three days. And finally, the midwife that was there said, Ma'am, you better get over to Mercy Medical Center because I hear they have the only working doctor in Uganda that can save this baby. So they put her in a taxi and her and her husband came over and they did a, an emergency cesarean section. And as far as we knew, the baby was great. The mother was doing pretty good. But because it was a cesarean, she stays at the hospital for, for three or four days. They put the baby in, the, in an incubator. And we were, that afternoon, when we came back hearing these stories from these pastors, we were just praising the Lord for the, for the wonder of our medical center being able to save lives like this. Three days later, I walked into the medical center at lunchtime, and nobody was talking. There wasn't the normal chatter going on. Turns out the baby had passed away. And they don't know why, but they looked at me and they said, Louis, will you come pray with the mom? I got a daughter who's due any day and you want me to go pray with a mom who just lost her baby? How, what words can you say to a mom who just lost her baby? So, they take me to her room and the Ugandan women are interesting because there can be a comfortable bed in the room but they prefer the floor. And so this mother is laying on the floor in a corner, and she's got a couple IVs in her, and she's just curled up in a fetal position. And she's sobbing. And her mom is there. Her husband's not. And so I put my back up against the wall and I just I slid down the wall and I sat on the floor. I just held her hand. What do you say? What do you do? 
And I said, after a few minutes, I said, can I pray with you? And she said, yes. And so we prayed together. And then she said, and this is no joke, she quoted this verse from Psalm 100, verse 5. For the Lord is good, and His love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. You almost have to be there to believe it. That twice, that same verse came back. And I know Thanksgiving is a tough time for some of us. Because we've been through tough stuff through the year. And we, we don't enjoy tough stuff. We don't enjoy pain. We don't enjoy hurt. But it's through this pain that these two people were able to quote these verses, for, for the Lord is good and His love endures forever. To be able to say that in the face of a loss of your little daughter who she was never able to hold, was remarkable. And I began on, on my way home, on the flight home. It's a long flight coming home. To, to put things into perspective as far as what is my Thanksgiving going to look like? And sometimes when I come back from Uganda, I feel guilty for, for the blessings that we have here. I do. And it's easy um, to get so wrapped up in the American way because we are so blessed by our Lord to have warm houses and running water and toilets that flush and a good-paying job and a government that's not too corrupt. And um, we, we live in the best country in the world. And... I realized sitting at Thanksgiving dinner around the table, all the kids were there, all the grandkids were there, and Lori's parents were there. And some of you know personally, this has been a tough year. It was two years ago that my dad and mom were by us having Thanksgiving dinner, and that was the last time I saw my dad alive. And so I didn't like Thanksgiving because it brought back that bad memory. But really, it was a good memory. It was a memory that I'll hold on to. A picture of my dad holding my youngest grandchild. And I just ask that you would pause and through the heartache that you may have gone through this year, that, that you would just give that up to the Lord and thank the Lord for these struggles. These are what He uses to, to bring to us. I want you to watch the video one more time that we just watched because it went through so quickly. And, it, and what it says is so, it applies to what we're going to do today with communion. It applies to Thanksgiving. The words, I'm going to read the words before we watch it again. It says, as we pass through the seasons of life, help us to see your grace. The grace in laughter through tears, 
in the beginnings and in the endings, and everything in between. For everything there is a season, a time for every activity under the heaven. Through it all, your promises stand true. You will never leave us nor forsake us. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. With a voice of thanksgiving, we praise you, God. All your works are great. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Thank you, Lord.